feeble means weak and diseased. Weak and diseased. And some of us like the, you know, the old movie of Charleston Heston when they're bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt. And it's a very great Hollywood scene. You got the elderly people on crutches and other people in cots. Oh, this is so sweet. Look at all those elderly people being helped by the young people. This is so sweet. That's Hollywood, but it's not Bible. Because the Bible said there was not one feeble person, there was not one weak person, there was not one diseased person. So whether they were five or 105, they all walked out healed. They all walked out strong. Doesn't matter what they've been through. Imagine how they would have walked because of all their years of slavery. But in one moment, in one night, Jesus healed a nation. And if Jesus can heal a nation back then, I just dare to believe, God, that Jesus can heal the United States of America of all of its issues, all of its problems, all its racism, all its injustice, all of its iniquity, all of its sickness, all of its disease. If Jesus can heal a nation in one moment, in one night, I believe he can do it for us because he is still our good shepherd. You feel like, sister, you can't take not one more thing. I want you to pause. I dare you to take a look around and see the amount of miracles that are already in place in your situation. There are people who can't, don't have their minds anymore. There are people who can't form a thought anymore, but you can. That's a miracle, that's a blessing. You're still here. Most of us thought we would never, ever, 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 ever live through a pandemic. But here's the word, live through. I don't care what the culture is saying. I don't care what they are posting on social media. You are not a person of dishonor because you're a part of the kingdom of God. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our faith experience. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for being a part. It's midweek, it's Bible study night. So here's what I want you to do first. Wherever you're watching, share. Encourage someone else to watch with you. Whether you're on social media, on Facebook, share. Start a watch party, Twitter, reach with YouTube, share the link. If you're on Faith Plus or on our website, text someone, encourage them to watch along with you. You know, we have our experience online for midweek, and we really believe you're going to experience God. You're going to experience his word. You're going to experience his presence in you are going to experience his love. A couple announcements before we get into the Word tonight. This Sunday, December 20th, is our Christmas experience online and in person at 10 a.m. Join us for our Christmas experience at Austell at 10 a.m. or online at 10 a.m. as we celebrate the reason for the season. We celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Our good shepherd was born into the earth for us. So we'll be celebrating that this coming Sunday. And then next week on Christmas Eve, we have a special online-only experience for Christmas Eve at 6 p.m. It's an abbreviated experience, but it's a time for the whole family can gather together as we go over the Christmas story in a fun way that's for all generations, the entire family. That following Sunday, December 27th, is an online-only experience. We won't have an in-person experience on December 27th, but on New Year's Eve, we'll have an experience in person and online. So in person in Austell at 10 p.m. or online at 10 p.m. We're going to have live praise and worship here in Austell. Have some other fun things planned for you. And then we're going to join in with our bishop from Word of Faith International. And he's going to share the word for the new year. So a lot of great things coming up at Faith. And then as you saw at the beginning on January 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, we have our Faith Plus 
conference. So many special guests, Pastor David Winston, Pastor Kylie Gatewood, Pastor Andre Butler, Pastor Michelle Ferguson, and so many more. You don't want to miss it, so make sure you plan to come. And if you haven't already, sign up and register. There are great things. Come on to Faith. Download the Faith Plus app and make sure you follow our social media. Well, that's enough announcements, but let's get into the Word. I want you to come to the table with me because there's room for you at the table. Come on. Come on. Yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on. There's room for you at the table. You know, this was a phrase that's been echoing in my heart all week. There's room for you at the table. There's room for you at the table. You know, this is a phrase that's been echoing in my heart all week, especially since Monday that I was walking around my house thinking about just different things and the message I was going to share this week, and it kept coming to my heart. There's room for you at the table. We'll share more about that tonight as well as this Sunday during our Christmas experience, but before we get into the Word, let's pray. Father, I thank you because you are good and your mercy endures forever. I thank you that there's room for us at the table, that you made room for us. Now, Father, help us have a greater understanding and revelation of what that means as we go through your holy word tonight. Father, I need your help. I only want to say what I hear you say. I only want to do what I see you do so that Jesus may be glorified, lifted high, and made famous in our lives. As always, Holy Ghost, have your way. Move through our places and our spaces, wherever we're watching right now. Cause our hearts to be open to receive from you, that we have ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart to receive, know and understand what you would say to us today so we can live the life you called us to live. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise in advance, Father, for every life transformed by the power of your word and the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. Go with me once again to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. We're in the last parts of our Restorations and Not Too Late series as we share on how God is our good shepherd. One of the things we've said over the last few weeks is the ministry of the shepherd is a ministry of restoration. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. So let's say it with me, say, the Lord is is my shepherd. Come on, personalize it. Put it in the chat. Put it in the comments. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And we said this phrase, shall not want, means shall not lack, shall not be without, shall not decrease, shall not be lacking, shall not have a need. So say it with me. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack, I shall not be without, I shall not decrease, I shall not be lacking, I shall not have a need. So the shepherd desires to lead you to a place of no lack, a place where you will not have a need, a place where you do not decrease. Let's keep reading here in Psalms. It says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. This word for lead here, yes, it does mean to lead, but also means to give rest. It means to lead with care. 
It means to guide to a watering place or station. It means to cause to rest. It means to bring to a station or place of rest. It means to guide. It means to refresh. So the shepherd is leading me to a place of no lack, a place where I won't decrease. But he's also leading me to rest. So there's a way to live the life we live, even when it's busy, when, even when there's a lot going on in our lives and around us, to still experience rest. God wants you to have rest. He wants you to place a provision and in a place of rest. So if we follow our shepherd closely, he'll lead us to the place of provision he's prepared for us, but he's also lead us to a place of rest. You know, one of the things when I was studying about the shepherd reading the book I mentioned to you guys before is talking about the shepherd would have to scout out the place ahead of time to make sure that it was suitable for the sheep to graze there. And so God, in all of his foreknowledge and all of his pre-knowledge, he's the God who sees and provides. That's what the name Jehovah Jireh means. He saw exactly what you needed, made sure there was provision for you, and he set a wonderful table for you. He knew exactly what you would need in this time. He knew exactly what you need in 2020. He knew exactly what you need going into 2021. And he has made provision for you, and he's always leading to the place of provision and to the place of rest. So it's our job to follow our shepherd and not wander away like sheep are so prone to do. We need to follow our shepherd. He's leading us to provision. He's leading us to rest. And then we looked at verse 3. It says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we said this past Sunday, talk about how he restores our soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and the very control center of our emotions. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a natural body. So you are a spirit, and you have a mind, a will, and you have emotions. And God, your good shepherd, wants to bring restoration to your souls. And we think about all the things that have happened this year, and we think about, man, this is the perfect time to receive restoration for our souls. God wants to restore your mind. He wants to restore your will and your desire. He wants to restore your emotions. That's what he's doing. One of the things the Lord told us through the utterance gifts a couple weeks ago at our in-person experience in Austell, he shared with us that in December, he's restoring our desire to live, our desire to go out further with him, our desire to step out in faith and believe him for the impossible. God is working on our hearts right now. He's working on our souls. He's restoring us to the place he's called us to be. That's part of the ministry of our shepherd. Then it says he leads us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. This lead it means to lead, to guide, to lead forth. It means to lead, to guide, to lead forth. As we'll see on Sunday and next Sunday that this word is also used to lead forth an army. So yes, he's leading us to provision. Yes, he's leading us to rest. Yes, he has good things on his mind for us, but he'll also lead us to a fight. Yes, he's also leading us to a battlefield, but if God leads us to it, he'll lead us through it. If God leads us to a fight, that means it's already victory lined up for us. Then notice what it said next. We talked about this at length on Sunday. Yea, though I walk through, the valley of the shadow of death. Walk through, not stay, build a resort. Through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. So say it with me. Say, I will fear no evil. Say, I will not fear. Say, I choose not to fear. Come on, put this in the chat. Put this in the comment section. Say, no fear here. No fear here. Yes, they said a lot about this winter. They're saying a lot about 2021. Refuse to fear. You know, remember what God told us in November to say about 2021? He says, as far as 2021 is concerned, we've already won. 
So go ahead and put it in the chat and say wherever you are as far as 2021 is concerned. I've already won. One more time. As far as 2021 is concerned, I've already won. Praise God. I will fear no evil for you are with me. You know, even in this time, you know, we shared this at the beginning of sheltering in place and we've hit on it throughout this year. He's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you. You know, one of the amazing songs about the amazing songs that spoke to us so profoundly and prophetically and powerfully this year was the blessing and that he is for us and that he's with us. And we've sang it here at this church and many churches have sang it all around the world. I'm thankful for that song by Elevation Worship and Carrie Job and the people who worked on it. That reminds us about the presence of God with us. So although you may be walking through a season where it feels like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, remember he's with you. And the shepherd who's with you is greater than anything in the valley. The shepherd who's with you is stronger than anything in the valley. The shepherd who is with you is mightier than anything in the valley. And he is the light. And because you're walking through with them, you two are lighting up the valley. And there will be people who follow you out of the valley because they saw the light that shined through you and with you. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I won't go into detail, but we looked at this at length on Sunday, so I encourage you to look on our Faithless app or on YouTube and listen to the message. The rod was the weapon of the shepherd. It represented his authority, his power, his protection, even his discipline. Now, it didn't mean he would hit the sheep with the rod. He would be able to take the rod and throw it near the sheep to get the sheep's attention to let the sheep know that it should turn the other way. It's kind of like the Word of God. How that when we're about to do something stupid, we're about to wander off, all of a sudden a scripture pops to our mind and reminds us what we're about to do is not the right thing. It is for our discipline and for our correction, but also through the word of God and using the word and using the name, the authority of Jesus. We have the access to the authority and the power and the protection of God. Then the staff of the shepherd was primarily for the care and the concern of the sheep. The care and the concern of the sheep. And so with the rod and the staff bringing comfort to the sheep, one of the things is if you're comforted in the valley of the shadow of death, that means you're not in awe of the valley. You're not magnifying the darkness of the valley. Your attention is on your shepherd. Yeah, a lot of things have happened this year. Maybe a lot of things have happened in your life beyond what has happened in everyone else's life this year. But I don't want you to glorify the problems. I don't want you to glorify the circumstance of the situation. I want you to put your attention and your focus on your shepherd because he's leading you out of the season. He's leading you out of this time to the place he has for you to be. He's leading you to provision. He's leading you to rest. He's leading you to victory. Verse 5, where we're going tonight. You prepare a table before me. Your good shepherd has prepared a table for you. Much like a table we've set up tonight. There's a table prepared for you. So that means there's room for you. That you're not an afterthought. People may have forgotten you. People may have forgotten about you, but God didn't. And God in all his foreknowledge has prepared something just for you. Now as we talked about this morning on Faith in the Morning, what God has for you is for you. What God has for you is for you. And he's prepared a table before you. Go with me to Psalm 31, verse 19. Psalm 31, verse 19. 
It's a verse we've looked at a couple times this year and in many other series in the past. It says, oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for them that fear or reverence you, which you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. As we've said before, that word great means abounding, abundant, and exceedingly. That word great means abounding, abundant, and exceedingly. That word goodness means prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme. So saying, oh, how great, abounding, abundant, exceedingly, even overflowing, is your goodness, prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, good to the farthest extreme, which you have laid up or reserved for those that reverence you. And you've poured it out or wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. So for all those who reverence God, and I know you reverence God, for all those who trust in God, I know you trust in God, God has prepared and laid up goodness with your name on it. There's goodness at, with your name on it. It's prepared for you. It is laid out at this table. It's for you. He has provided for you. He knew exactly what you would need at this time. Beyond that, God also wants to give you the desires of your heart. So he didn't stop by need. He thought about desires. He even thought about you at this time. So, yep, I know what they need, but you know what? What would they like? And he put that on the table for you. And he's put some things on the table. Yes, what you need. Yes, what you like. But some things you'll find, and it'll be an outright surprise because of the goodness of your God and his provision he has made available for you. Remember, what he's provided is far beyond just finances, even though finances is included. It's everything you can need, desire, or want in life. He's prepared the table before you for this life and the life to come. Not just good things in heaven, but so many good things now that it's like heaven on earth. Yes, even in the midst of it seeming like the world has gone crazy, even in the midst of the pandemic, you can have heaven on earth because of the table your shepherd has prepared for you. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 9. First Corinthians chapter 2. But as is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Once again, I want you to see that God has prepared things for you, that it's so wonderful, the rest of mankind hasn't heard it, but that doesn't stop there. It's just the Spirit of God reveals them to us. The more time we spend with God, more time we spend in the Word, more time we spend praying in the Spirit, we, reveal the, we realize what God has prepared for us. Or as it says in another scripture, all the things he has freely given to us. Everything at the table has been freely given to us. God has furnished. God has set up a wonderful table, prepared a wonderful table before each and every one of us. But the thing is, we have to grab it. The thing is, you can sit at a wonderful table full of food and be ready to feast and not eat and die of starvation 
even though everything you need is already at the table. Let's go to Psalm 23, verse 5. I'm only beginning to get into it tonight. We'll go more on this coming Sunday as well as the following Sunday. Back to Psalm 23. You know, here's a reason why you may not partake of the feast at the table. Psalm 23, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So we've looked at how God prepares and provides. But I want you to know that it's in the presence of your enemies. It's in the presence of your haters. It's in the presence of those who don't like you and wish the worst for you. It's in the presence of the devil and all of his demons. But remember when we say enemies, I don't want you to focus on the people you have issues with or the people you could think about that are causing you drama. Remember who your real enemy is. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Here's a reason why you may not feast at your table. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the enemy, the devil, is your real enemy the principalities, the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, the spiritual wickedness in high places are your real enemy. That's who your fight is with. And you say, well, Pastor, you're telling me they came to the table and took my stuff away? No, I'm not saying that because your table has been set in front of them. So while you're feasting at the table, you have some enemies staring at you who wants your eternal destruction. And they're wishing and wanting to do the worst to you, but you're seated at a feast. You know, I'll look at into this later. We'll get into more on Sunday. But I saw this wonderful description in a commentary. And it said that the only way I could sit comfortably and confidently at a feast in the presence of my enemies is because I believe the one who prepared the feast is strong enough to protect me in addition to provide for me. So I'm sitting at a table feasting with my enemies around me because my shepherd has provided and my shepherd will protect me even when the enemy is looking right at me wishing he could destroy everything I have. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So he said if we're at a table and he can protect us, why did you say the enemies are an issue? Number one thing I want to encourage you today. God has made room for you. There's room for you at the table. But don't allow the enemy to have a seat at your table. Number one, don't allow the enemy to have a seat at your table. Once again, I'm not talking about people here. I'm talking about Satan. I'm talking about demons. Do not let him have a spot at your table. Yes, it's in the presence. Yes, it's in the face of him. But don't give him a spot at your table. Don't give him a mill don't give him an inch, don't give him nothing at your table. Don't let him have a seat at your table. And the thing is, if you allow the enemy into your thought life, you will give him a seat at your table. Go with me, like I said, 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 3, for though we walk or we live in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of 
Christ. If you allow the enemy into your thought life, you're giving him a seat at your table. You see, the thing is, Satan can't stop the table from being set. He can't take the stuff off the table. It's already there for you. But do you know what he can do? You see, John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have and enjoy life. But he also gave us a revelation about our enemy. He says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the word thief as a torture means a pickpocket. Satan is a pickpocket. He doesn't want to just outright just rob you and break in your house and take stuff. He is a pickpocket. He wants to steal through distraction. And it'd be too obvious if he came to the table and tried to take everything in front of you. No, he tries to steal from you in a way that you don't realize you're being stolen from. The art of the pickpocket is stealing through distraction. It's stealing through deception. And we know the book of Revelations calls Satan the deceiver. You know, John 8, Jesus said he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus said when Satan lies, it's not new to him. He's speaking his native language. He's been a liar from the beginning. So he lies. He deceives. He's a thief. And he's an accuser. Revelation 12, 10 tells us he's the accuser of the brethren. So when Satan talks, he's lying, he's deceiving, he's accusing because he has plans to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, knowing that, go with me to Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Genesis chapter 3. Look at verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. As we've shared with you before, there was two places back then. There was the garden and there was the field. Now here comes something from the field that had no right to be in the garden. So just like there's some thoughts that come in your mind that have no right to be in your mind, but if you allow them into your mind, just like Adam and Eve allowed the serpent into the garden, you'll give the enemy a seat at your table and it will cost you. So now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said you should not eat of every tree of the garden? So notice the first thing Satan does. He casts doubt on the word of God. He tries to get you to question what God said. That's why I encourage you to be very cautious in listening to anybody who will try to get you to question the word of God. Because we see the original person who cast doubt on the word of God was the enemy. So did God really say this? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. She replied, This is what the word of God, this is what our limitations are, this is what we are to do and not to do. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God does know the day of eating. Now he's accusing God and his motives. Then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Here's the deception. They already were like gods. Outside of God, who was more godlike on that planet? Only Adam and Eve. Remember 2 Corinthians 4, 4, called Satan the god of this world? How did he become that way? He took the position from Adam. He deceived Eve. Adam sinned. When they both sinned, they lost their position, and Satan took their spot. They were already as gods. But here's what the enemy does through his lies, through his accusations, through his deceptions. He'll get you to try to believe something that's not true. He'll get you to believe things that aren't true and things that aren't real. He'll get you to question God's motives. 
and he'll try to tell you that there's no place for you at the table. He'll probably first say, well, there's no table at all. But if he can't get for that, say, yeah, that's a table, but that's for some good Christian people. That's some people who've lived good all their lives. That's for people, you know, they've been saved 50 years. That's for the people who've done faith confessions for 30 years. That's the people, you know, they, they, they write really good notes in their Bible, and you know your notes are messy. You, what, you don't even take notes. That's not for you. He'll try to get you to believe there's no place for you at God's table. But as it kept been echoing my heart over the last few days, there's a place for you at the table. Satan will try to convince you that you are unworthy to receive what God has already prepared and made available for you. He'll try to convince you to, to think, you know, yeah, God did provide, but I'm so unworthy. I know my history. I know my issues. I know my mess. I know my problems. I know all I've done. There's no way God really wants me to enjoy this feast. There's no way he really wants me to have a feast. I should go back to the valley of the shadow of death because that's where I belong because of all my issues, because of all my mess. I don't deserve it. The enemy has a seat at your table. He'll also try to convince you that it just can't happen for you. Yeah, it happened for so-and-so. That was a special case. Yeah, it happened for so-and-so. That's a special case, you know. That happened for so-and-so. Well, that was back then. God doesn't do it anymore. And try to convince you different reasons why it cannot happen for you. Those are thoughts you must reject. Those are thoughts you must fight against. Because if you take those thoughts, do you know what happens? You allow the enemy a seat at your table. And he'll convince you not to partake, not to receive, not to enjoy all the blessings God has made available. Here's another tool of his, shame. You allow him in your thought life, he's sitting right here, he'll shame you, trying to make you ashamed of the blessings of God. He'll say things like this, and he'll put it in very religious terms. Well, should you really be prospering in a pandemic? Should you really be blessed? Do you know how many people lost their jobs? Do you know how many people, should you really be standing on healing confessions and bleeding for healing? Do you know how many people have been sick? You know they're telling you all the time how many people have gotten sick and how many people have died. Should you really be talking about the goodness of God in a time like this? You should be ashamed of yourself. You should be ashamed that you have some money in the bank. You should be ashamed that your car still works. You should be ashamed. Shame. Never be ashamed of the blessings of God. Whatever he's blessed you with, thank him for it. Don't be ashamed with it. What is the enemy trying to do? He's getting your attention off of what the table is. So through his accusations, through his shame, through his lies, through his deceptions, through trying to convince you you're unworthy to receive, try to convince you there's no place for you at God's table, and that it just can't happen for you. What is he trying to get you to do? Because he can't just outright move you from the table. He is trying to get you to stand up and walk away. But what I need you to do is keep your seat at the table. On the days when you don't understand what's going on, stay seated at the table. On the times when you don't know what's going on, stay seated at the table. On the days when you're just confused, stay seated at the table. On the days you're reading the Word and you just don't get it, stay seated at the table. Do not let the enemy talk you away from this table. Don't let the enemy have a seat at your table, and don't you let the enemy make you get up 
from your place. There is a place for you. You say, well, pastor, well, what about all my issues, all my problems, all the things I'm still trying to work out? Hey, there is a spot for you at God's table, even with all of your issues, all of your mess, all of your drama, all of your things that you have done that you know is a mess. And he's like, there's no room for me and all my issues. No, God made room for you at the table. And while you're sitting at the table with them, he's working with you. He's working through your issues. He's bringing healing. He's bringing deliverance. He's bringing freedom. He's renewing your mind by the word of God. He made his place and a space for you even on your worst day. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1 as we begin to bring this to a close. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Say, I am accepted in the beloved. Go ahead and put that in the chat and say it with me again. Say, I am accepted in the beloved. One more time, say it with me. Say, I am accepted in the beloved. That lets you know two things. You are accepted and you are greatly loved. You are accepted and you are greatly loved. God accepts you as you are when you come to him. Doesn't mean he likes what you're doing. Doesn't mean he approves of your actions. Doesn't mean he likes your lifestyle. But when you come to him, he says he won't turn you away. He accepts you as you are. All of your issues, all of your mistakes, all the stupid stuff you're doing, all the sin, all your mess, he accepts you. It's like the prodigal son who had been living with the pigs, who has been in the mud. He stinks. He's dirty. He's been living a bad lifestyle. But he comes to himself, and he comes back to his father's house, and he run, is going to his father, and his father runs to him and hugs him before the prodigal son had a time to clean up, to get all the pig slop and all the mess off him. Before he had a chance to clean up, he was embraced by his father. He was accepted and the beloved, and you may find yourself trying to struggle to believe that God would accept you the way you are. He does. Don't let the enemy into your mind and into your life telling you there's no room for you at the table. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Doesn't matter your past. There's room for you at the table. Say, I am accepted. Come on, say that one more again. Say, I am accepted. But you're accepted in the beloved. God loves you too much to leave you the way you came to him. Yes, he accepts you the way you came to him, but he loves you too much to let you stay in that condition. And so what happens? At the table, he works with you. He loves on you. He does the ministry of the shepherd. He restores you. He ministers healing to you and strength and deliverance. You see, one of the things we have to understand is God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows all of our issues and our mistakes. And as we open up and yield to his word and his ways, he's able to bring the best out of us and transform us into the people we're called to be. And how his word and his spirit to work through us, causing us to be glorified and walking in the glory he made available for us. It's because there's a seat for us at the table. One of the things you have to understand, and I believe I'll wrap up here. The table 
is such an important place in Christianity. Now we talk about the altar and that is holy. But so is the table. Don't you remember the Last Supper when Jesus said in the King James, I desire with great desire to have the supper with me. What does it mean? I've looked forward to sitting down with you at this table and having this dinner. And you know, we have a more formal style of eating in our modern Western culture. But back then in that Eastern culture, they weren't sitting up like a table like this. They were reclining. It was a very intimate, relaxed atmosphere. And Jesus said, I looked forward to hanging out with you and spending time with you and having this dinner with you. And in this atmosphere, what happens? We have what we call the Last Supper, the first communion of this new covenant of taking part of the bread and the wine. What is this? Covenant. And covenant elements are usually produced at an altar. But out of his love and his relationship for his friends, for his apostles, he made the altar into a table. And that is so wonderful because that's what God is doing in our lives. That he's brought the holy things into relationship. And as we're sitting at the table with him, he can help us. He can correct us. He can love us. He can restore us. He can deliver us. He can help us. He can transform us. So don't let the enemy tell you there's no place for you at the table. Because you might think, well, if I get away from the table, I'll go and fix myself. If you could fix yourself, you'd have done it a long time ago. You can't. That's why you need a Savior. That's what we celebrate in the Christmas season. We have a Savior. We didn't have to save ourselves. I don't have to save myself. I can't do it. But I have a Savior. And the thing about it, He saves us from something every single day. Even if He has to save us from our own dumb decisions, He's still saving us. He is so good. He is so kind. So don't get up from the table. Believe in the goodness of your God. Every day, remind yourself you're accepted in the beloved. Remind yourself that you have a good shepherd who is leading you, leading you to places of provision, leading you to places of rest. Even when he leads you to the battlefield, there's still a table before you. Even when he leads you through the valley of the shadow of death, there's still a table before you. The table does not disappear because of the circumstance of the situation you find yourself in. The table of God's provision is always before you. And by faith, you're able to grab out, receive what you need, partake of it, and enjoy the good life God has made available and prepared for you to live, as it tells us in Ephesians 2.10. So tonight, I just want to remind you, there's room for you at the table. So come, sit down, and enjoy what God has for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you that there's room for us at the table. I thank you that you don't leave us nor forsake us. I thank you that you didn't kick us out or turn us away. Even after all of our mistakes and sins and iniquities, you still accepted us and you loved us. You washed us with your own blood. So, Father, help us see the provision you've made for us, to see the table more clearly, to follow the leading of our shepherd and become even more aware of you and following you and what you've made available for us. Father, help us not just be hearers of this word tonight, but be doers of this word so we can be blessed in our doing. We love you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, before we go,
you can sit at this table. It's for you. But the way you get to this table is making the decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may be watching wherever you are. You may have never asked Jesus to come in your heart. You never made him a Lord and Savior, but you want to tonight. You know, it's not about all the good things you've done. It's not about all the bad things you've done. The only way that you come sit at this table is by believing in Jesus. You know, there is a heaven and there is a hell. But your bad things don't send you to hell. There's only one thing that sends people to hell. That's rejecting Jesus and not making a decision for him the same as rejecting him. There's only one thing that gets people in heaven. That's receiving Jesus, making that decision to follow him. And so if you've never made that decision, you never prayed that prayer, I want you to pray with me tonight. In just a few moments, we're going to pray. I want you to repeat that prayer after me. Mean it from the bottom of your heart. You'll be saved. Heaven will be your home. And you'll be seated at this wonderful table of your shepherd. But there's also been another group of people watching. So, well, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Can I know for sure? The Bible says in 1 John 5 that these things are written that you may know and be sure that you have eternal life. I don't want you to play guessing games with eternity. I want you to know for sure that you're saved. So when we pray with those who are praying to be saved, repeat that prayer. Mean it from the bottom of your heart. When we're done praying, you know for sure that you're saved. But you could be watching, well, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Well, no, I, no it's like, no, Pastor, actually, I do know I'm saved. But, you know, if you looked at my life, I haven't been living. I made the decision for Jesus, but as you said, like sheep wander, I wandered away. Or you talk about the prodigal son, I, I went away and did some other things. But I know I need to come back to God and live this Christian thing right. Will he take me back? Yes, he will. First John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so if you want to come back to God's time, when we pray in just a few moments, ask God to forgive you for whatever you've been doing. And guess what? He'll forgive you. He'll clean you up and treat you like it never happened. And it'll help you live this life like you're supposed to. Well, are you ready to pray? If you're praying to be saved, if you're praying to be sure that you're saved, repeat this prayer after me. If you're coming back home to God, just ask God to forgive you, and he will. Well, are you ready to pray? Let's pray. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, Come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. Now, if you prayed that prayer to be saved, to be sure that you're saved, or you just came back home to God, you see some information on your screen, I want you to text BELIEVE to 770-756-8539. Text BELIEVE to 770-756-8539. Because once you do, the information is going to go to our Connect team. They can call you this week to check on you, to pray with you, and see if you have any questions about what you received. So if you made a decision for Jesus tonight, text BELIEVE to 770-756-8539. Congratulations on the decision you made for Jesus today. Well, before we go, we're going to have our time of giving. Well, first, I want to thank you all for your faithful generosity. Thank you to all those who give via mail. If you want to give online, you can do so at FCCGA.com. If you want to give online, you can do so at FCCGA.com. If you want to give via text, you can text FCCGA to 73256. As you see on your screen, you can give by text by texting FCCGA to 73256. Whether you're giving online or via text, you'll see options for tithes and offering. But you also see spots for over and above giving. You'll see spots for media, for missions, for care. However, God's moving upon your heart to give. You know, we believe what the Bible says. God is able to cause all grace to abound towards you. So you have all sufficiency in all things, and you abound to every good 
work. Now, because of your faithful generosity this year, we've been able to go forward, not even slow down, but go forward and increase and get better at what we did with media to bring the word to you in your homes. We've been able to increase the amount of times we actually come to you and all the different things to minister the word to you. We've been able to expand to our satellite campuses. We've been able to do so much and be a blessing to our community, partnering with organizations that are feeding the people, feeding the community and feeding people in need in such a time as this. And we've done this because of your faithful generosity. So once again, thank you for your faithful generosity. Let's pray over our gifts. If you're giving online via text, you can lift your phone like I am. Let's present our gifts to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to give. We present our tithe, the offering, our seed to you. We ask that you use it mightily. We present it to you as a matter of honor, as a matter of love, as a matter of adoration, as a matter of worship, as a matter of obedience. We ask that you use it mightily, and we believe for our biblical return. So we give generously, we give liberally, and we say well, as individuals, as families, as a church, we have more than enough because you're more than enough. And we expect our harvest. So Satan, get your hands off what belongs to us. Angels go forth, bring our harvest unto us, for we have need of our sake and the sake of the gospel. So Father, we thank you that you are a shepherd, therefore we shall not lack to receive more of the blessing. God, it is concepts and insights, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Say, I have more than enough because my God, teaches me how to profit and pours out his favor upon my life. Thank you once again for your faithful generosity. You know, I want to tell you about what we did this year. So in November, we partnered with Sweetwater Missions to holiday meals during Thanksgiving time. And through your giving, you were, you en enabled 280 families, families to have a holiday meal in November. But you guys did it again for December. What you guys raised in December fed another 280 families. So that means just in about eight weeks, a little bit less than eight weeks, you guys fed all of those families, 560 families with your faithful generosity. Even in this time when the rest of the world is going through so many different things, this has been a time of transformation, restoration, and you have been a blessing to your community. You've been a blessing to those who've been hit some by the hardest in this area, and it's because of your faithful generosity. So thank you for being a blessing. Faith, you've done such a great job. I'm so proud of you. You know, we have so many great things coming up. You know, this Sunday is our Christmas experience. It's 10 a.m. in Austell and 10 a.m. online. So both experiences will happen 10 a.m. in our Austell campus and 10 a.m. on our online campus. That following Thursday on Christmas Eve is a special online-only abbreviated experience on Christmas Eve at 6 p.m. for the whole family as we go over the Christmas story. You can gather your kids with you, your grandkids. You can watch. You can enjoy. And well, as we go through the story together. So don't miss December 24th at 6 p.m., our special Christmas Eve experience. That following Sunday, December 27th, is an online-only experience. We'll not have an experience at any of our in-person campuses, but it'll be online only. And that following week on New Year's Eve, we have our victory party. It'll be 10 p.m. We'll have in-person and online, so you can join us in person. You do have RSVP for what we have going on here in person at 10 p.m., but also online at 10 p.m. We're gonna have live prayer and worship from here and do things like we do at Faith. And then we're going to join in with our bishop for the word for the new year. He shared with me about what he's sharing. You don't want to miss the message. It's going to set you up for 2021 in a faith-filled way. So make sure you join us for our victory party for New Year's Eve, whether it's here in person or online. And then January 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, we have our Faith Plus 
conference. So if you haven't registered for it, go ahead and register today and tell other people about it. It's a digital conference, so it's online only. So many special guests. It will be a blessing to you. Well, before we go, let me pray for you. Father, I bless them in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn in judgment. For that is your heritage, and you are the righteous God in Christ Jesus. May the favor of God surround you as a shield. Before people are counting you, they will count the favor of God. Have favor with God, man, and government. Have favor in the courtroom, favor in the boardroom, favor on the sales floor. May the favor of God go before you and prosper your way and build you a platform that when you speak to the lost and the backslidden, you're enabled to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ and bring them home to faith. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Say the blessing increases in your life. We command every house, every car, every student loan, every medical bill, every credit card paid off. Release jobs, better jobs, promotion, inheritance, checks in the mail, residences and cars to those who need it. And we release the healing power of God into your bodies right now. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, be healed, be made whole be made strong right now. Every sickness, every disease, every pain, every infirmity, every virus, every spirit of infirmity, you listen to my voice in the authority of Jesus. Depart right now because healing is the children's bread and is in abundance at the table of their father. So be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Be made whole and be made sound. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. I love you so much. I look forward to seeing you at Faith in the Morning this week and this weekend for our Christmas experience. God bless. And remember, there's room for you at the table.